Amen, amen. Welcome back. Number 32. Head over there real quick. And uh, it's a joy to be with you all. Uh, Brother Mike mentioned, uh, we know Brother Alfred King real well also, and Brother John Vaught. And uh, we so appreciate your investment in their lives. I tell you what, that's good stuff. I love visiting with them. I love being with them. And uh, just seeing what God is doing as they've started these works. And I know that you're a big part of that. And uh, of course, they work here. You all sent them out and been behind them through your prayers and support. And I tell you what, that's just a hallelujah to the Lord. And as you continue to repeat that over and over, it's going to be exciting to see what God does. It definitely is. So uh, tonight, again, we won't be uh, extra long. And uh, the faith promise has been taken. And uh, so I can't really preach now. Give, you've already done that. So I'm kind of at a loss tonight of what to preach. So, you know, when you don't know what to do, you always preach on sin. Amen. (laughs) So easy. Uh, There's a verse in number 32 I want you to take a look at. And uh, Numbers chapter 32, verse 23. And uh, I'm actually uh, preaching, going to do the first part. There's a two-part message. I'm just going to give you one part. And that'll be good for the Martinez. They actually heard part two last time. So if you put this together, you'll be fine. Uh, But I really feel led to do the first part, which I don't normally do, to tell you the truth. I've done it at our church. I don't do a lot, part one. It's It's good. It's really good. But I normally do part two, and we'll hit just a little bit of that. But there's a verse I want you to look at real quick, verse 23, and it says this. But if you will, number 32, 23, but if you will not do so, behold, you have sinned against the Lord, and be sure your sin will find you out. And I got to tell you, from an evangelistic standpoint, that's an amazing verse. I call that a shotgun verse. Okay, in other words, it says, know this, be sure your sin will find you out. That's like, that allows me to preach about anything I want. You know, that's why I call it a shotgun. Don't drink, don't be bad, don't be immoral. I mean, it's a great verse. Amen? And, and I got to tell you, you may have heard evangelists preach that, and I'm not here to attack them, so please do not take that wrong. Because it's true. There is a, a principle here that's 100% true. Hey, if we don't get rid of our sins and we let them sit there and we don't repent and turn from them, can I help you? Be sure your sin will find you out. Aren't you glad God gives us an opportunity to repent? And I, I, seriously, I love that. I'm glad that John Waterloo doesn't sin and like 10 seconds later, bam! Why? I'd be dead. I mean, seriously, if you think about how often we've gotten involved in something and then finally God got a hold of our heart and it's, it's kind of like one of those aha moments, like, well, finally. And you're like, man, I can't believe God gave me that much rope. You know, but praise God he did. Amen. And so I love that verse because it says, be sure your sin will find you out. Now, again, Normally you see it in that context and the preacher will then talk about a multitude of sins and we bring up what I call the big ones, you know, and, and it's true. I mean, you, you shouldn't be immoral. Amen. That's a good thing that you said amen. That's good because I don't want to preach on that, but I will. Okay. I mean, seriously, and, and we shouldn't be addicted to things and, you know, and, and uh, we talk about bitterness and all that kind of stuff. Can I help you? Those are big sins. And sometimes we look at the big sins like that and we're like, that's why right, preacher, get them, get them good, get them. But when I see a verse like this, I always like to know where it came from. So I always like to back up a little bit. And as great as that is, as we think about, be sure your sin will find you out. And if I were to get a questionnaire of what sins do you think he's talking about uh, outside of the Martinez, who have heard part of this message. Uh, but outside of them, okay, and, and Brenda, I'm going to help you real quick. I doubt if anybody in this church would even know what it was. And I'm serious. That's not, that's not an attack. I'm just telling you. As we're listing sins, we're going around and I'd start on this side and say, list of sin. And you may say drunkenness and you may say adultery and you may come over here and lying and stealing. And we just go down the, the road and you can think of all these big sins. And by the way, they are sins. 
And if we were to list those and say, be sure you're sinful, we'll find you out. I'm telling you what we're about to study right now. Most of us wouldn't choose. And yet God right here said this. When he's taking this passage, it had nothing to do with any of those sins. Not a one. Instead, he majors on one major sin that we rarely talk about. It's one of those acceptable sins that's one of the big ones. So stand with me as we look at Numbers chapter 32. You say, how's this going to apply to missions? You'll see. Numbers chapter 32. I want to begin to read the beginning. So we're going to back up here and find out why Moses said that. In verse 1, it says, Now the children of Reuben and the children of Gad had a very great multitude of cattle. And they saw the land of Jazer and the land of Gilead, that behold, the place was a place for cattle. Children of Gad and the children of Reuben came and spake unto Moses and to Eleazar the priest and unto the prince of the congregation, saying, Adaroth and Dibon and Jazer and Nimrod and Heshbon and Eliah and Shebom and Nebo and Beon. You said, you pronounce those right? Well, you don't know. <laughs> so, yes, I did. Even the country which the Lord smote before the congregation of Israel is a land for cattle, and thy servants have cattle. Now, I love this. They're like, hey, it's a land full of cattle. We have cattle. Perfect match. Amen. Verse 5. Wherefore, said they, if we have found grace in thy sight, let this land be given unto thy servants for possession, and bring us not over Jordan. And Moses said unto the children of Gad and unto the children of Reuben, Shall your brethren go to war, while ye sit, uh, and shall ye sit here? And wherefore discourage ye the heart of the children of Israel from going over to the land which the Lord hath given them? Thus did your fathers. Man, I love this. When I sent them from Kadesh Barnea to see the land, when they went up unto the valley of Esco and saw the land, they discouraged the heart of the children of Israel that they should not go into the land which the Lord had given them. And the Lord's anger was kindled at uh, the same time, and he swore, saying, Surely none of the men, none of those guys, will go up out of Egypt and into the promised land. Let's pray. Lord, we come to you now. And Lord, I pray as we take a look at this story that, Lord, it would actually be an encouragement to the people, Lord, and a challenge as they continue the rest of the year, Lord. Not just in missions, Lord, but in serving one another, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Man, you may be seeing a great story, man. I'll paint the picture for you. The leaders of Reuben, leaders of Gad. Uh, and right now, I'll just kind of hope you'll wrap. We're at the second time where they're going to go into the promised land. Now, what's interesting, and Moses brought it the first time. The first time, you remember, they got to the edge, they're ready to go in. Moses sends 12 spies. You remember that? So 10 came back, say no, two say go. There's a children's song I would sing, but I want you to stay tonight. Okay, but man, it's great. So 10 say no, two say go. And so they get there and, and all the people say, okay, we're not going to go. And then, I mean, God judges them. Matter of fact, they're now wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. Every male 20 and above dies. Why? Punishment from God. So now they're coming the second time. And as they're ready to get in, Two tribes come and say, hey, we've been surveying the area. And it'd be kind of like this. We're real content where we're at. Matter of fact, we want to praise God for what he's done in our lives. I can imagine leaders seriously getting together going, yeah, I mean, we don't need a lot. And I know we're going to go in and you're going to divide the land. But I'll be honest with you, we'll take right here. Matter of fact, we have cattle and we've assessed the situation. The land here is what's well, good for cattle. So obviously God wants us to stay right here. And they're expecting Moses to go, man, what a great heart. I mean, well, what a great heart. Praise God for your thoughtfulness there. You know what? I'm going to bless you. That's not what happened. He gives them the chewing out of a lifetime. I mean, he rips into them like you've ever been ripped in before. And he starts chewing them out. And I can imagine them standing there. And he goes on to the rest of the passage, which we don't have time to read. And he's like, your fathers did this. And they discouraged the heart of the people. And God judged them. And if you keep this up, uh, God's going to judge you too. And they're like, okay. And Moses says, I'll tell you what. 
you build your houses and you build uh, some cattle areas and you let your family stay, but you better come to war with us because if you don't, be sure your sin will find you out. And they go, can we meet for a second? Sure. Hey, how about we go with Moses and everybody else? Okay. Hey, we're going to go with you. No, that's the context. They're like, hey, we're in. Why? I just got chewed out. But I can imagine they're walking back to the tribe going, didn't think it would go that way. Whoa, that one shocked me. You ever been in a situation like that? You think it's going to go one way and it's the exact opposite. I mean, I'm just going to go and ask for a week off of work. It's my vacation time. Hey, boss, going to put in for this week. What? Don't you even like to work here? Don't you have a dedication? You're like, what just happened? I mean, seriously, and that's basically what happened here. And I want you to understand something as we get in the message. It's going to be real quick, real easy. Well, quick according to me, not for you. But anyways, real easy. I want you to understand something. I don't believe the heart of Reuben and Gad was this. Man, we don't want to go. We want to separate from Israel. We don't want to be apart. I really don't. I really do not believe that. But see, Moses was there 40 years before. And he saw what happened when 12 leaders, I remind you, leaders of the tribes, these were renowned men who went in 40 years early. These weren't somebody, well, send the lackey, send the bottom guy. No, no. These were leaders of the tribe, wise, sharp men who loved God. They went in before, came back and said, no, we're not going. They failed to trust God. And now he's watching 40 years later. And he knows the enemy Satan has now gotten involved in Reuben and Gad's mind. And by the way, Reuben and Gad don't even get it yet. And they're now coming in. And look what he says. We majored on it, but I want to make sure you get it. All the way in verse 7, he says, And wherefore discourage ye the heart of the children of Israel? Verse 9. For when they went up into the valley of Esco and saw the Lord, they discouraged the heart of the children of Israel. And tonight I don't want to talk to you about this. And really just a part of this I think is so important. Folks, I think one of our greatest sins, and listen, don't miss this. One of the greatest sins in the church today is this. We discourage the hearts of other people. No, 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 don't miss that. No, we don't talk about that. We talk about discouragement. If I were to stand up here and say, well, I'm preaching on discouragement tonight, I'd get, amen, preacher, thank you. Man, we all get discouraged, amen. Lord, get, show me a path of how not to be discouraged. Show me, take me to Philippians, take me to these passages. Those are good sermons. That's not what I'm preaching on tonight. I'm not preaching on your discouragement. That's a different message. But I am preaching on this. You and I are discouraging other people. Do you realize that when they got rebuked and God came down with this great verse, be sure your sin will find you out. It had nothing to do with morality, lying, stealing, cheating, getting drunk, nothing at all. He says, you're about to create one of the greatest sins you could create against this body, this nation. What? You're going to discourage everybody else by not coming with us. And they went, oh, oh, what? I. He said, how do you know that their heart was not to do that? Because after we gave them the speech, what did they say? You can read the rest of the chapter. I'll tell you, they said, we're going with you. And others are like, that is not what we meant. Oh, that is not what we meant. I'm convinced good people do dumb things. No, no, don't miss this. Good people do dumb things. And all the time. You say, why? Because we're selfish. No, no, don't take this wrong. But if you look back here, their thought process was this. Cattle. Land, good land. And I can imagine this was it. Well, God brought us here and it's great land for cattle. And he even says in verse four, we got cattle. And it's kind of like this circumstantial thing. You got cattle and there's land right here. And all of a sudden, oh, wait, wait, they forgot what their purpose was. Can I remind you real quick? They forgot their purpose. What, what do you mean? No, it wasn't that God didn't want to bless them. He was getting ready to give them everything. Lands and homes and houses. And I mean, uh, vineyards. I mean, he was getting ready to just explode on them. But they'd forgotten for a minute. Why? 
They got so caught up with mm, their life. No, look, their life. And their life was, we got cattles and kids and we've been traveling and wandering. So how about we camp right here? And they came from this angle. We're content. We're fine. We're happy. It won't bother anybody else. And Moses is like, what are you doing? And they're like, well, I, I, I never thought of that. And then I don't want to get you to think for just a little bit. I'm convinced we live way too selfish. We think about our lives. And don't get me wrong, I'm a planner. Should you think about retirement when you get older? Yes. Probably when you're younger. Amen. Should you plan things? Oh, I'm not against planning. Nothing in the Bible says we're against that. But can I tell you what the danger is? We can get so caught up with our lives. Wait a minute. We forget about God's ultimate plan. And can I remind you about God's ultimate plan? It's not you. It's not. We already preached on it. It's souls, is it not? Yeah, that's for the church. But can I remind you of the ultimate plan of these people? We're going to God's promised land. And as a nation, we're going in. Now, wait a minute. If two don't go, then guess what? We're not going as a nation. And they were thinking that way, but they're getting ready to make a great mistake. It reminds me of Haggai chapter one. Do you remember that story? And Haggai, the children of Israel, they're supposed to be building up the temple and they do it for a couple of years. They run into some hardships, so they stop. God sends a prophet. Haggai shows up. Get down to about verse four in Haggai chapter one. And they're like, hey, you've not been building. And this is why, because you've said it is not time. And during that time, you went and built your own houses. And for the last 15 years, you've been building your own houses. And every time it comes to the point of getting ready to do something, you say this, it is not time. It's not time, so we're going to invest in our homes, our families, until it's time. And the prophet says, time? You had a command 15 years ago to build this. But what happened? What happened to them is what happens to us all the time. We get caught up with our life and begin to justify what we're doing according to our life. Well, preacher, I had to provide for my family. I've got to take care of my kids. That's what my job is. And you're right, it is. But not at the expense of doing God's job. Can I remind you real quick that we're, all of us are in danger of? Be careful. Be careful becoming a Reuben and Gad. And here's the context. You love God. You're part of the family. But you're stepping back and actually taking care of you first. And you forgot what the purpose and the plan was. And can I tell you what the purpose and the plan is for us today? It's called the Church of the Living God. No, no. It's called the church. You're here for the church. In the midst of that church, yes, is soul winning, baptism. And stuff. No, no, the church. And can I tell you, if your life isn't revolved around God's plan, can I tell you, you're missing the boat and you're in danger of discouraging the people of God. No, I'm telling you, you're in danger. You can be in the house of God and not in the house of God. In other words, you can come. I remember days when schedules were revolved around the house of God. Like you all have done. You've done a great job. Missions conference. You're like, we're there, preacher. That's the way it ought to be. Why? There's something bigger taking place than what I'm trying to accomplish right now in my life. And yes, I got to save and I got to plan and I got to prepare for the future, but not above the greater purposes, which is what? The things of God. And I think in America, we've become too comfortable and too rich and all those things. And we're taking care of ourselves. We have this me first mentality that permeates everything we do. No, everything you read is like, hey, you can't help someone else. Do you take care of yourself? I mean, that's what you hear all the time. And you're like, well, man, that's psychologically, that's true. You're right. I got to take care of me first. And that neat thought that has some truth to it suddenly becomes a primary purpose mm. instead of a means to the ultimate purpose. Right. And next thing you know, everything's like, well, it's, it's all about me. And I watch as a pastor going, oh, it's definitely a lot about you. Yeah. And what you don't even know is this. 
you're discouraging the hearts of the people and don't even understand it. You know when you're not here, people know it. Oh, people don't care if I'm here or not. That's a lie from Satan. They know where you sit. Matter of fact, Brenda and I came in. We chose the front row because nobody sits in the front row. What are you guys doing there? Right in the front row. Nobody sits in the front row. I'm just going to say right now. I mean, we always go to the front row. We know it's pretty safe. No one gets offended. Nobody gets hurt. Why? Well, preacher spit. You don't want to sit in the front row. I mean, amen, right? People move to the back. So we always go there. But we're always cautious not to take someone's pew. Why? Woo. 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 Man, that's like an ultimate sin in a Baptist church. I mean, you're in my pew. When we had a wonderful COVID going around, we had to block off every other seat for a few services. That's like killed our church. <laughs> Pastor, that's my pew. You, you got ropes in front of it. Uh-huh. Yeah. We're going to ask you to move back one. I, I, I've sat there for 30 years. <laughs> God forbid you should have a different view. <laughs> Hope you'll make it. Now, I'm telling you, people get real particular. So we're, we're real cautious of that. Why? Well, people know. Now, people watch. Sure. If they don't know your name, they know. Why? Folks, if you're a member here, can I tell you? You're part of the body. Amen. You have an important part here. Amen. No, you're important here. That's right. And it's not about you. And in this culture, we're now choosing churches for what we get out of it. Right. Big mistake. Right. Oh, again, back the truck up. It's not about what you get out of it. It's about, is this the place that preaches the word of God? Amen. Is this where the spirit of God shows up? Amen. Then guess what? The cherry on top is you get something out of it. Yeah. That goes over real good. <laughs> No, it is. It's like, oh, I like the music. I like, what, what do you have for children? Well, what if we had nothing for children? What if it was all the children coming here? Don't do that. But anyways, what if we did that? <laughs> the only reason we have children's classes is not because they're trying to be hip and cool. We don't want your kids in here. They're loud. <laughs> it's simple. They're brats, okay? I'm leaving tomorrow so I can say that, okay? <laughs> but you see what I'm saying? We're like, we got to develop all this stuff. And I'm like, we missed the purpose. I don't care about any of that. And we do all that. We have classes and stuff. But I'm like, what if we didn't? What if it was we just all meet in here? Isn't it about worshiping him? What if the music wasn't that good? You got good music. What if it wasn't that good? What if you didn't have good singers? What if God decided to unbless you? Every good singer gets laryngitis. And those of you who can't sing are forced in the choir. No choir. No, no choir. That's right. We just cancel choir. Amen. I mean, you see what I'm saying? Man, we are so blessed. Man, we got it so good. <coughs> and yet often, you and I don't realize that we're being used of Satan. And we formulate a plan and we look at our lives and what God's doing supposedly in our lives. We're like, well, hey, I got cattle. This looks good for cattle. And we don't even take into consideration. But how would it affect everyone else? How would it affect everyone else? How would it affect my church, my family? Well, but I got cattle. This is good grass. <laughs> Woo, good grass. Get fat cattle. Well, that's nice, but isn't there more to life? Isn't there something more than you and your purposes and your goals? Isn't there more than you retiring early? See, the new goal is that retire early. <laughs> well, that'd be great. I'm old. Retiring early is wonderful. <laughs> I get asked that all the time. What are you going to do to retire? Same thing I'm doing now. What do you mean? Oh, I won't always be a senior pastor. Maybe somebody younger and have more energy that needs to come in one day. Praise God. Just, well, like your pastor did with Brother Tyler. It's a good move. But Brother Bill, did he stop preaching? He stopped serving? Well, no, of course not. We don't got to stop. Why? There's a greater purpose out there. I don't plan on retiring golfing every day. I'm not even that good. 
If I was that good, I don't want to waste the time. Seriously, I don't want four or five hours on my day every day chasing a white ball. That's dumb. <laughs> I know it. I do it. I'm like, that's dumb. I'll do it a dozen times a year. That's fun. Every day, dumb. It's pretty simple. No, no. You, you see what I'm saying? They're, we're missing it. We're not supposed to save up so we can retire. We had a gentleman in our church retire early. He became our janitor. He's a banker. A banker. The bank got bought out. He said, preacher, I'd like to come serve. I got to do something for my insurance. I can go get another job like that. He said, or I'll make you a deal. Uh, you cover our insurance. I'll totally take care of the maintenance and cleaning at the church. And for 12 years, our church never looked better. Uh, he painted. I mean, his schedule in detail was mind-boggling. Mind-boggling what he did for insurance. He did it right. He retired and said, what can I do? What can I do? Why? He says, there's a greater purpose in me. This isn't about me relaxing in my retirement. This is about me serving God. And I looked at that and said, praise Jesus. Amen. Folks, I look at this and there's another thing. You've got to see this. I, I love Moses' response. I think it's verse five or six. Look, it's one of those verses. So look at it real quick. Moses, as he's speaking, it's verse six. Moses said unto the children of Gad and the children of Reuben, shall your brethren go to war and shall ye sit here? I love that. Reuben and Gad's purpose was it. See, they weren't thinking about the war. They weren't thinking about going in. They're like, hey, we're fine here. God will take care of you. We serve a big God. Honestly, it could have even been motivated by some faith. I don't know. It doesn't explain. But I could actually see Reuben and Gad going, God's big. But you, you don't need us. You know what I'm saying? No, you don't need us. We're just going to settle here. We'll be fine. We're content. You know, it's fine. And all of a sudden, Moses is going, so, so let me get it straight. We've wandered for 40 years. We got a battle plan. God says go. Your brethren are going to go fight and you're going to sit there. Uh, actually, we didn't look at it that way. I know you didn't. And then came the sermon. I got to sit through a wonderful sermon, which ends with, and be sure your sin will find you out. We're going with you, Moses. <laughs> Ready to establish that? So here's the part I want you to get before we shut down. Okay. Don't miss this. I know it's been about missions. I got, man, you guys have done good. Uh, but I'm going to add another element that's really important. You. No, no, no. It's not just your giving. It's not just your giving. This is rhetorical, so don't answer out loud. What do you do at Fellowship Baptist Church? Not only do 20% give most of the finances in the average church, but 20% do most of the work in the average church. I'm going to tell you something. That's discouraging. And that's a great sin. Every single member should do something. I'm going to say it again. Every single member. There's not a time someone's coming up to me, Pastor, I'd like a job. I ain't got nothing. I will find you something. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. I don't know how your church operates. We always need nursery workers. Done. Now, some of you we will not put in there. Why? You will kill the kids. You are disqualified automatically. We look at you and go, I'm not. Not going to happen. Folks, there's so many things happening in church. You get a church this size, people think, oh, it's so big, they don't need me. It's the opposite. You get in a ministry like this, you always need people because you're trying to accomplish so much for God. Oh, I need to go to a small church where they need me. Wake up. Yeah. We're not thinking, man. 
If God brought you here, this is where you're supposed to be. Can I tell you? You need to be a vital part of this. And the words ring true. So, so your brother ain't going to go to war and you're going to sit here? Hey, there's spiritual battles being fought here. Are there not? We're fighting for the community. You're fighting for souls. Are you not? Hey, everybody ought to be in that fight. So we're going to send a couple soldiers out or everybody's going out. Can I tell you? Everybody. If you're not involved in the action that's taking place, the community service and soul winning and babysitting and cleaning and whatever else is there, can I tell you, you're missing the boat. And more importantly, are you ready? You're discouraging people. It's rarity, but I'm real cautious about overworking people. Seriously. We evaluate and every once in a while we have to stop and go, okay. One of our deacons, I'm like, I got to remove you from this teaching job because you're involved too much. We do that periodically. But I'm going to be honest with you. I don't do it a lot. You say, why? Because I don't have to. Did you catch that? There's not a lot of people going, okay, wait, you're way too involved. Back it up, buddy. You know what I'm saying? No, there's not a lot. I can even name the people I've had to do that to in 30 years. And I don't have the best memory in the world. So if I still remember them, it's been a few. You say, why? Because usually it's the exact reverse. Now, I want to be nice here because it's the end of mission conference. But I'm going to tell you, there's a need in the church and your pastor stands up. Brother Mike stands up. Or Eli stands up and says, hey, we got this going on. Need a sign up. They ought to be standing there saying, hey, we, we have too many. That's enough. Yeah. No, no, I'm serious. Yeah, right. It ought to be. No, OK, stop. OK. Whoa. Oh, no. OK. I got the picnic. You all signed up. We got like 300 pies coming. Let's back it up a little bit, okay? I'm serious. Like, okay, you 100, don't break a pie. No, no, we'll never. You see, I mean, seriously. Okay, we got to clean up. No, I love it. I love going. And you got a big fellowship. And at the end, I mean, people just stand up and in five minutes, everything's cleaned up. Why? People are going, anything else? Anything else? Anything else? Why? This is your church. No, 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 no. This isn't the staff church. This is your church. Oh, we, don't be pious. I know it's God's church. Some of you are going, no, it's not preacher, it's God's church. Don't be a pious gas bag, okay? <laughs> so the Pharisees were. I got that, okay? Pretty much, I know my theology. I'm okay here, okay? But from a practical standpoint, can I help you? No, you came as your church. Guess what? You're needed then. So what happens if I just take care of my family? What happens if I don't do my part? And you're discouraging other people whether you know it or not. And you're creating. Well, preacher, I don't drink. I'm going to go to work. I'm a good family man. I don't beat my wife and my kids. Come on. I'm a good guy. I mean, I'm a good mom. I take care of my kids and everything. I, I do my best. And we got savings. And we're, make, we, we're going to pay our house off early. But preacher, we're doing good. Mm-mm, I didn't say you weren't. But I'm saying, we look at it that way and think we're okay because we're not committing major sins. Mm. You know, if we look at the Bible... When Moses spoke by inspiration, it was, don't forget one of these big ones. If you're discouraging somebody else, that's sin. Don't raise your hand. If you're a member of this church, everyone should be doing something for missions. Mm-hmm. Amen. I can only do five bucks and you do five bucks. Right. Between you and God. Right. Not, not, I'm serious. Your number one goal of this church ought to be this. That everybody is doing something. Why? Because we're a part of this church. Amen. It's not a competition, folks. It's not a competition. It's about what can you do because you're a part of the body of Christ.
And not only that, number two, you ought to be saying, where can I serve? Amen. You get fed phenomenally. Yeah, I know Brother Bill, I know Brother Bill. You get fed good. Oh, you get good meals here. I'm talking spiritual in case you forgot that. I mean, you're Baptist. I already know you get good food. <laughs> I mean, eat it all week. Woo Weight loss program, gone. No, no, no. You, you get fed good. But can I tell you, you can get complacent and just take it in, take it in, take it in. And instead of creating, you're just consuming. And I want to ask you, where are you giving back at? No, no, I'm, I'm serious. Every born-again believer, not only are you involved in missions, but I'm going to tell you, you're a discouragement if you're not involved in this church somehow. Amen. From washing kids to vacuuming to cleaning to whatever it is, Amen. one of the greatest things you'll do is say, I'm here to serve. Yeah. I'm here to serve. So when I look at this passage, and there's a lot more here. It's just part one. But I look at this, and I see Moses saying this. Why would you discourage like your fathers? And he lit up like that. Why would you do that? And I see them going, oh, that wasn't our intent, and I believe them. It wasn't our intent, but they were still doing it. And I look at this church and how faithful you've been, how much you love the Lord, and I would not believe that your intent of anyone here, and I'm serious, would be this, to be a discouragement to somebody else. But you just might be, if you're not involved, and you're thinking more about yourself than the purpose of the church. You just might be a bigger discouragement than you realize. Because it ought to be all about him. Amen? Mm -hmm. It's all about him. That's why we met all week. Let's stand.